baseball is back. That is right. Spring training 2023 is underway, and we are only a few weeks away from games. The Reds have opened up their camp, and we will get you caught up on all of the early news. That's on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are a Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and we encourage you, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter and check us out on YouTube and drop a thought in our comments section because talking Reds is what we do, and we want to talk Reds with you. Uh, thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. Uh, today, we are looking at a couple of different storylines in camp, and we're going to start off with the pitching. We've seen some videos, whether uh, you're on Twitter or where have you, of uh, Hunter Green and the starters and different pitchers popping the mitt, doing some bullpen sessions. It's a beautiful sound to hear that pop in the mitt. Plus, we're going to talk about Jose Barrera. We've talked a lot about Eli De La Cruz and what he can do to make it to the major leagues and be an awesome superstar. But you know, there's still one more guy that's in front of him. What can Jose Barrero do to hold on to the shortstop position? We're going to answer that question. And we're also going to answer the question of which rule change that major league baseball is implementing benefits the Reds the most. Before we jump into all of that, though, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. They're the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. And Steve, where we will be starting today is with some concerns, and we are going to be talking about the bullpen. No, they haven't blown a game yet, but we've gotten some not-so-great news out of Red's camp. In fact, it was a tweet from Bobby Nightingale when he was talking about, he was talking to David Bell and he had this to say, there were a couple of injury updates. There were some positive ones, but the key ones were up front. And this was from a tweet from Bobby Nightingale Jr. He said, uh, TJ Antone will miss at least the first month with his flexor strain. I believe that's the first month of the season, not just uh, the first month because he's going to have to ramp up and all that other stuff. And then Tony Santion may miss the start of the season as well. He had a back injury last year and needs to build up his arm. So uh, there's a lot there. And, and the good news was in that injury update, he also said that Nixon, Zell, Lucas Sims are full go, shouldn't miss any time, uh, you know, at least as of right now. But let's focus in on the two relief pitchers that they mentioned because the Reds also signed left-handed relief pitcher Daniel Norris that they announced on Wednesday, which means they believe that these injuries will probably impact the bullpen in some kind of way. And you've got a couple of bullpen guys going to the world baseball classic. And I've, I've got some feelings. I've got a little bit of trepidation here about the bullpen. What, what are your thoughts about these updates? Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot there to unpack Jeff. Uh, first of all, uh, let's start with TJ Antone. Uh, when they talk about a month uh, delay, I think that's, the minimum before he even is able to fire it up and start to stretch out and get ready. I, I, I have decided with TJ Antone coming off his second Tommy John surgery 
that the best course of action that we can take as fans and that the Reds could take as an organization is just plan for him to not pitch in 2023. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen, but if you plan for that and he does make it back healthy this season and is able to pitch, well, that's just a bonus because if you start relying on him and counting on him to be there, uh, you could put yourself in a position to be disappointed and it could really negatively impact the bullpen. Uh, the and other kudos news to you, here, you've been saying that all off season. The, the other piece of it is Tony Santion, which really bums me out. You know, he's going to be delayed. I was really counting on him to be uh, kind of a piece that could step up and, and help fill that void that I already knew, as you say, uh, was going to come in the form of TJ Anton not being available. So his delay now creates a, a certain set of headaches, I think, for David Bell because they're going to have to patchwork this bullpen. That could impact guys like Luis Sessa, who wants to be a starter, uh, but the best, highest usage of him heading into 2023 could be the bullpen just from sheer need. Uh, you mentioned they went out and signed somebody. Uh, between the, the World Baseball Classic, as you mentioned, and these injuries, You know they're going to need extra arms in camp. Uh, any signings, any moves they make right now may not necessarily be uh, players they're counting on to be there on opening day, but they need to make sure they have enough arms in camp to make it to opening day without uh, fatiguing guys too much. So I look for them to have some extra arms in camp uh, with guys that may not necessarily be in real consideration to make this team. Now, uh, the move they made yesterday or today, rather, uh, does that move the needle? It doesn't move the needle, but it puts another arm in camp. So, you know, I yeah. think they're doing what they got to do. Yeah, they're keeping they're keeping the bullpen as as deep as they possibly can. But also, and it's something that I noted, like the statistics for Daniel Norris just aren't going to jump out at you. The ERA was high. His FIP wasn't much lower. I, I did see that on fan graphs, he had a homer to fly ball ratio that seemed a little bit high, seemed a little bit unlucky. So maybe that's you know something that comes down and he actually looks all right and so fact, why Matt not pitch Wilk at great american ballpark yeah that's definitely not a good stat <laughs> to have and he is a fly ball pitcher he does not give up a lot of ground he's i think his ground ball rate was like 45 percent. so that's that's not encouraging but i did see matt wilk said that you know he's got a very good breaking ball you know when it comes to like some stat cast metrics he's really high like one of the top vertical breaking balls so it's a lot like buck farmer and his strikeout rate was pretty decent last year, over 10 per nine. So uh, there's some things to like, some things that you're probably like, you know what, if we're counting a lot on Daniel Norris out of the bullpen, lots more has gone wrong than just Tony Santion and TJ Antone not coming, you know, not being ready for opening day. So I, I think that this is a nice depth addition. I'm not going to go crazy about that. But the one thing that this harkens back to me a little bit is that, Alexis Diaz pitched a lot last year in his rookie season. And yes, he had amazing stats, but there are some other folks that pointed out, you know, he had really low batting average on balls in play, might have gotten a little bit on or might have gotten a little bit lucky in his statistics. Is it really going to benefit the Reds if they got to throw him out there every other day? We need to have more guys in this bullpen. Absolutely true. And I don't, I don't listen. I want to say real quick about Alexis Diaz. I know you're the, the Alexis Diaz stand of this particular podcast. Yeah, he but, didn't get lucky. He's good. 
there, there you go. That's what I was waiting for you to say. Cause that's what I was going to say. He's good. And, and he yeah. grew, he got better as the season went on. So did he, did he benefit from maybe a, a lucky play here and there? Maybe so, but you know what? That's baseball, baby. That's just yeah. how it works. And he's going to be just fine. Uh, I don't look for him to have much of a fall off starting in 2023 from where he was in 2022, but you're right. He's going to need help. And we did get some good injury news does that make sense we got a positive update on a previous injury how about that uh we learned that lucas sims is healthy ready to go firing it up on time and barring any setback uh is going to be working his butt off in spring training and ready to go on opening day and, and this bullpen is such that i mean i think the best version of this bullpen includes tony santion and hopefully tj antone combining with Alexis Diaz and Lucas Sims, but to have Lucas Sims back and, and, you know, let's, let's do the optimistic uh, squint for a second and look at Buck Farmer who had a pretty decent year last year. That's three pretty decent guys there at the back end of this bullpen. And you've got Rivar San Martin, who outside of a couple of unlucky outings and a couple of really bad starting appearances at the really beginning bad. of the season would have really awesome statistics. So I, I think that, this bullpen will be better. I think everyone is apt to think, oh, Reds, bullpen, it's going to be terrible. I don't think that's the case. It's just they can't endure too many more injuries where we're talking about top guys going down. Yeah, depth really is the problem, uh, especially early on. Uh, they cannot afford for anybody to get hurt. You know, a guy can't tweak something. They're going to have to be very careful about, you know, keeping guys accountable on their their warm-up routines, on their stretching, on their workouts. They've got to keep everybody healthy because you're right. The guys that are in place, I think, uh, to start the season, at least on paper, it's better than the top four guys on paper uh, in previous years. But there's really not a lot after that that has any, uh, any amount of proof to go along with it. So, you know, those four guys are going to get a lot of work. Uh, they're going to need to be very healthy and hopefully reinforcements come in the form of Tony Santillan and, you know, hopefully. And again, we can't just rely on hopefully we do see, but I'm for the, that we don't, that we won't. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. No, I, I, I agree. And I, I think that, <laughs> You know, there's going to be some young guys get a shot here. The bullpen, like much of the roster, is not set in stone by any stretch. But to expect those young guys to come in and just be awesome, that's that's really where the optimism is going to, you know, be tested. And, and we're going to talk about a uh, bet here in just a moment about a possible thing. If the bullpen is healthy, you might be able to hit on this bet. Absolutely. Listen, we've talked a lot about uh, this bullpen. You know, it only hits its ceiling when Santion and Anton are healthy to go along with Diaz and Sims, as you mentioned. You know who else we've talked a lot about? We've talked a lot about Ellie De La Cruz getting called up. But can Jose Barrero hold on to the shortstop job? Hmm. We'll discuss how he can and if he can coming up next. Uh, but before we get into Jose Barrero, uh, I want to talk about the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, we are at the halfway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel app. It's America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet and up to $1,000 
back on that first bet if you miss. That's right, the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, and you can bet on everything uh, from the money line to the point spreads, point scores, three points, all kinds of NBA action for you going on right now while we're waiting on baseball to fire up. And now that football is over, basketball is the dominant game in town. Get in on the action right now. You can check out uh, some of the baseball futures as well if you're looking to uh, get your bets in early. I know uh, we'll ask Jeff here in a few minutes if he's already got his $1,000 bet in on that 75 Reds win total. I bet that he hasn't locked that in yet, but uh, you know he says that it's coming. Uh, you can bet on the Reds to win at least 80 games if you're really looking to be optimistic on the futures. Uh, I don't know that I would bet on the 80. If, if you give me an over and under on 80, I am taking the under. <laughs> Jeff, I don't care what you say. Uh, <laughs> if you're that optimistic and you hit on that, the odds that you're going to get a big payout, huge payout. FanDuel has the odds at 11 to 1 that the Reds will win at least 80 games. Uh, if you want to get on that action, if you want to look at all the other action, you can head over to the FanDuel app right now. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Lots of ways to win big over at FanDuel. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet with up to $1,000 in bonus bets. All you got to do is head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And now that sports betting is legal in Ohio, Locked On has the perfect show to help both new and seasoned gamblers hit on a majority of their bets with the best information. You can download and subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast for daily picks and analysis. Uh, you can get that podcast wherever you get your podcasts, just like Locked On Reds. Coming up tomorrow, you know, we're going to talk about Jose Barrero here in a minute. And tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the other guy that might be running out of time. That is Nick Senzel. Lots of conversation surrounding these two players and what they need to do to remain relevant and starters at the major league level. That's tomorrow on Locked on Reds. Uh, but today, Jeff, we need to talk about Jose Barrero. We have spent a ton of time talking about all of his replacements. We've been talking yeah. about Ellie De La Cruz. We've been talking about Matt McClain. We've been talking about Noel V. Marte. We've been talking about Newman. But we haven't been talking about Jose Barrero. And Jose Barrero finds himself in a very precarious situation right now because uh, everybody is looking at the future and nobody is really looking at him. And I feel like he may be heading into the final spring training where he has a legitimate shot to win and hold on to the starting shortstop job for the Cincinnati Reds. The deck could not be stacked more against Jose Barrero. There are somewhere between 100 and 2,000 shortstop prospects coming up through the Reds farm <laughs> system. And the Reds went out and got Kevin Newman to kind of be that veteran stopgap, if you absolutely have to play him at shortstop, you can because he can play there type dude to say, look, dude, this is it. And I don't even know. We, we talked a, lot, a little bit about, you know, how much of a leeway they're going to give Jose Barrero. Did they actually give him the whole month of April? Like if he comes out 
say he wins the job in spring, but then the first two weeks of April, he's back to hitting a buck 50 and swinging at every breaking ball that bounces in the left-hand batter's box. I think we're done. I, I think that's where we're at. So we're talking about a dude that absolutely has to start off fast, has to keep going fast and has to not let off the gas at all. And I think we're talking about, I don't know if we're talking about batting 300, but he's definitely batting like, you know, 270 ish. I don't know that, that that's kind of where I've got that pegged for Jose Barrero because he doesn't just have to be good anymore. He has to be impressive. If Jose Barrero struggles, you know, I think the time frame that he has to prove himself, uh, wholly and completely depends upon what Ellie De La Cruz does. Uh, yeah. If he goes, if, if Ellie goes into spring training and is absolutely dominant, you know, the reds are going to be hard pressed to keep him down. Now we talked about with Tom Nichols. And if you haven't listened to the Tom Nichols in episodes, there's two, go check those out. There's a lot of great information in there, but we talked about this with Tom that, you know, for Ellie to be on the big league roster right out of the gate, he's going to have to be the starter. The reds aren't going to bring him up to be a part-time player or a bench player. He's going to have to be the starter. So, you know, odds are favoring Jose Barrero that Ellie De La Cruz goes to Louisville. Mm -hmm. However long, Jose Barrero has depends on what Ellie De La Cruz does there. If he goes to Louisville and is hitting the ball lights out and doing the Ellie De La Cruz things, uh, Barrero doesn't have much time. So that being said, you know, what does, what does he have to put up to keep the job? I mean, he has to, you know, he has to be on a pace for OPS plus of 130, I think yeah. to, to have any reasonable chance to fend off someone taking shortstop away from him for them to really consider moving uh, Ellie De La Cruz to another position. You know, Jose has to be dominant and I don't know that he can pull that off. I think what's much more likely is that no matter what Jose Barrero does, uh, he needs to be worried about producing offensively enough to stay in the lineup someplace. I don't think that he has any control at all over staying at shortstop. I think when Ellie gets here this season, and he will get here this season. He's playing shortstop. And Barrero is either going to have to play third base or he's going to have to play outfield, but he's going to have to play somewhere else. No, that's fair. And I, I think that, you know, we're probably talking about him in the outfield at that point if he's going to be moved. But yeah, he's going to have to hit. And we did an episode back, uh, I believe it was at the beginning of December, but it was talking about the changes that Jose Barrero has made. They went down into, I believe it was the, the uh, Dominican Winter League. Um, but he was playing in the winter league and he had made changes to his stance. He was holding the bat in a different way. He actually added like a toe tap instead of what he had been doing. His swing looks different. So he knew that coming into this off season, changes had to be made. He couldn't just continue to do what he had been doing for the last two years and expected to change. So kudos on him. He took a step past where Aristides Aquino got to in, in deciding that, yes, I have to change if I want to do this. So. What do those changes amount to? We're going to see in spring training a little bit, and, and it's going to be one of those things that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt if he comes out and he's hitting like 500. Like you have to be like, okay, what are the pitchers he's facing here? But if he comes out and we're still seeing short at bats, we're still seeing strikeouts, we're still seeing if he makes contact, it's weak grounders in the infield or something like that, then it's going to start to raise that question a little bit of, what are the Reds going to be doing here? And if Ellie De La Cruz is lighting the world on fire in spring training, is this a case where you call him up on opening day? Because I think that Jose Barrero, 
still has a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but if he comes in and he doesn't take advantage of that at all in spring training, then we might not be talking about him taking advantage of anything this season. And, and you hit on a great point. And I feel like maybe it's something we should reiterate right now and just kind of drive it home uh, to, to kind of set up what our spring training coverage is going to look like here at Locked on Reds. The spring training that we're about to get is going to be unlike any spring training we've had recently. There's going to be a lot of position battles, a lot of guys moving around, a lot of guys doing things they don't normally do, and it's going to matter more than it ever has before. All of that being said, you cannot look to the spring training statistics to form your opinion. These coaches are going to have to do something that they haven't had to do in a while, and that is listen to their guts, Jeff. Uh, someone get <laughs> Dusty Baker on the phone and explain how that works because this is something that this coaching staff in particular hasn't had to do. These are all analytics guys. These are all guys that have looked at the models and looked at the computer program and have used that to kind of guide their decision-making process. Now, you know, David Bell is a former major league player. You know, he knows major leaguers when he sees them. Uh, he's going to have to fall back on that a little bit this spring training because uh, the numbers, even if they're facing a major league pitcher, if you want to look at uh, what Ellie De La Cruz does, if you want to look at what Jose Barrero does, even if they're facing major league pitchers, major league pitchers in spring training aren't pitching like they pitch in a major league game. They're working on a pitch. They may throw a guy four curveballs in a row. They may, you know, throw a pitch that they don't have any intention of throwing. They're just kind of working on it and tinkering with it just to see. So it really doesn't matter who's on the mound. The thing that matters is really the eye test. You're going to have to be able to look at these players and see how are they protecting the strike zone, see how they're playing their defensive position, see how they're preparing, what kind of work are they putting in, and then take all of that information and decide which one will have better success when the games get real. Uh, you know, everybody's on, everybody's under a little bit more pressure. I think this spring training, Jeff, because there's going to be a pressure to perform for the players and there's going to be a pressure to get it right for this coaching staff to field the best 26 players available when camp breaks and they head to Cincinnati. And the top of the list of that pressure is Jose Barrero and time's running out. And I mean, the deck couldn't be stacked more against this guy, but I'm, I'm rooting for him. I would love to see him blossom. I just, I know that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a long shot. But you know what, Steve? Change is coming in 2023. There's some new rule changes. There's some old rule changes that have been made permanent. Uh, but there's some new ones as well that I think will have an impact on the Reds. We're gonna talk about the rule changes that have the most impact on the Reds coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to let you know that you can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time, thank you so much. Drop us a question or a comment down in the comments section. We love talking Reds baseball with you. And, of course, always remember we've got our live Aloha Fridays. As long as spring training is going along, we're going to try to keep those up, so make sure you join us then. Also, in between episodes, you can talk baseball with us on Twitter. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can also follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, Steve, lots of rule changes coming down the pipe. Uh, the biggest ones, I think, are the pitch clock and the shift going away. For you, what do you, what do you think is the most impactful for the Reds? Because I think we might have differing opinions here. 
We do, because it's neither one of the things that you just said. Uh, first off, I want to start on my rant that you know they made the extra inning rule permanent in the yeah. regular season. It's a terrible rule. They know it's a terrible rule. Uh, I got some pushback on this online, and I don't care. I'll die on this hill. They know it's a bad rule, and you can tell that because they didn't put it into effect for the playoffs. If it's not good enough for the playoffs, it's not good enough for the regular season. Uh, I'm going to die on that hill. Uh, for me, the most in, the most impactful rule, the thing that could benefit the Reds the most, is I think the the new focus on enforcing the bulk rule. Uh, they're going to ah, make yeah. the relievers stop wiggling and shimmying and shaking and doing a little dance and doing the boot scooting boogie across the rubber before they throw the pitch. That's going to help the hitters. That's going to help them time up the pitchers better. It's going to help them get a better look at the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand. It's going to help them hit better. And I'm excited about that. You know, obviously that's going to be true for the opposing team as well. Uh, but I, I like that that rule is going away. And I think some of these relievers that are so used to being able to do whatever it is that they want on the mound are going to struggle a little bit at least early on trying to figure out how to pitch the old way where you've got to come set and you can't do all the herky jerky distraction stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm most looking forward to that rule being implemented. And I think it will have the most positive effect on the reds performance. It's interesting too, because I was looking at that one in particular that if you step off the rubber and they literally said, whether it's a pickoff attempt or you're just stepping off the rubber uh, rubber to reset the runner, you can only do that twice. And the third time you do it, it's a balk. So that in and of itself will be interesting because a pitcher just can't. It feels like, you know, especially when Billy Hamilton was on base, but when any speedsters on base, there are some pitchers that it feels like they step off five, six, seven times, maybe throw over once, but it's not just the throw over anymore. They literally even said, if you step off the rubber, that's a box. To, uh, that's a balk, too. And, and likewise, uh, it's not just on the pitchers. The hitters are now only allowed to call time one time during an at-bat. Mm -hmm. And after that, you try and call time. I believe if you do call time strike. or step out, it's a strike, no matter yep. what the pitch looked like. So it's, uh, you know, those are rules that will impact the pace of play for whether we like them or not, or you believe like I do that Rob Manfred hates baseball. Uh, those, some of those changes are actually going to increase the pace of play. They're going to speed things up a little bit uh, to go along with the pitch clock. I think that when we're looking at the Reds, the thing that's going to benefit them the most is getting rid of the shift. And I'm looking specifically at Joey Votto. Joey Votto is the king of that sexy, soft line drive that lands in shallow right field for a base hit. He did that for so many years throughout his career and his batting average showed he was a really high batting average guy because of that. And over the last couple of years where they put the third baseman or the shortstop, or even if it was the second baseman in shallow right field, that was literally where that hit landed every time. And so it really affected Joey Votto and, and he's a good enough hitter that he can kind of put the ball in other different spots, but it's not as if he's going to absolutely be able to do that on every single pitch. Now he can go back to his strength. And I think that's only going to help him through this season. My other thought, though, is that not necessarily for the Reds, but for Reds fans, for baseball fans in general, the pitch clock is going to be so key. And I did not necessarily think it was going to be that big of a deal, but the way that they implement it, it's a, it's a clock on the pitcher uh, and it's a clock on the hitter. The hitter cannot take nine years to readjust every batting glove and make sure that his belt's on tight 
and do the Johnny Gomes and adjust your hat 10,000 times. Like you have to be in the batter's box at a certain point or it's a strike on you. The pitcher has to begin his delivery at a certain point or it's an automatic ball on him. So there's going to be a lot of this and, and research has shown that uh, like last year, the average game time was three hours and six minutes in the minor leagues where they implemented this pitch clock system that was very strict. The average game time was two hours and 39 minutes. That is a huge difference. And I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to that from the fan aspect, but I really want to see what Joey Vada can do with that shift. I don't know if you saw the demonstration of how the umpires are going to enforce that yesterday, but it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, the home plate umpire is in charge of enforcing that, and he still has to do the things that he has to do to set up to do his job, which is get set to watch the pitcher, lock in on what's going on, get into the get into the slot back there and be ready. Uh, and he can't be watching the clock and do that at the same time. Right. So they, they've got kind of like, you know, the catchers are wearing pitch com. The umpires are wearing a buzzer on their wrist, basically. So when it gets down to, you know, whatever time it is for them to set up, uh, they're going to do that as normal. And if uh, their wrist buzzes before the pitcher starts his windup, which that's who they're watching, they'll call a ball. Yeah. And I just, I found that to be very that's interesting interesting the other that's smart the other too because like to... you, you hear referees talk in the nfl about how you know we'll be watching at home and it'll look like it's a delay a game because they're hiking the ball with zero zero on the clock but referees say they're watching the clock and then when they see zero zero then they shift their focus back to the play and if the ball isn't hiked by the time their eyes are on the ball then they call a delay of game but it might actually be a half second past that mark so obviously an umpire is not going to be able to sit there and be like all right, got to worry about the ball. Got to worry about, you know, is everybody in position? Is, you know, what's going on in the field? Oh, by the way, the clock just ended. Did he throw in time? Like, that's way too much going on. So the, the buzzer system, that's that's a very good use of technology. Plus, I also heard, too, that along with the buzzer system, they're going to be able to communicate umpire to umpire without having to come together and, and take forever to do that. They're just going to be able to be like, yo, that, okay, cool, let's go. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that works out with some of these umpires. But it won't work. Everybody's gonna <laughs> everybody's gonna mute Angel Hernandez's mic. I'm fairly certain. Of <laughs> can that. we get a listen in on that? I, I want to know. Can we listen to Angel? I can. Can you hear the guys going? No, Angel. Seriously, dude, get glasses. I can hear them telling him that. Uh, the other the other rule I wanted to hit on real quick, Jeff, because it was just hilarious yesterday. Was all of the demonstrations that team set up. To, to illustrate the change in the size of the bases. And if you've seen any <laughs> of these pictures floating around online of, of the media members trying to find ways to make this look interesting, uh, while they all look just so irritated of having to be out there and take pictures of bases was absolutely hilarious. But yeah. if you haven't seen those, go check them out. They're a funny view. Uh, that being said, though, uh, there is a very significant difference when you look at those bases side by side and make sure you're looking at a real picture, there's some characters out there that have Photoshopped some of the pictures and made the, the difference a, a whole lot, but check out a reputable uh, website and, and look at this difference because I really think it could have the intended effect. Uh, I think it's going to entice some of these runners to try and go a little bit more. See, I, I know that the statistics in the minor leagues didn't show that big a jump in stolen bases. So I'm a little skeptical that the stolen base thing will actually in increase. But the one thing that I'm very happy about with the larger bases is that the number of injuries on bases and because of, you know, sliding in or whatever that decreased a lot. So I'm very happy about that. And 
I think that's probably going to be the biggest impact of a larger base. I'm not necessarily sure that, you know, we're going to see more guys uh, get steals because of it. Although that would have been nice. uh, and, And obviously it won't happen because he's been long since cut at this point. But I did want that storyline in one game to be like larger bases lead to Moose actually getting a steal. Oh, my God. I'd have to bust out the jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And on that note, Jeff, that is probably a good spot to go ahead and wrap it up. That is going to do it. For this edition of Locked on Reds coming up tomorrow, we will discuss what success is going to have to look like for Nick Senzel in 2023. Uh, Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia over there, folks. He's doing great work, uh, and he will give you every bit of information you need on the Major League Baseball stars of tomorrow today. And I know that sounds like a Disney ad, but that's actually an ad for Lindsey Crosby. Go check him out. He really knows his stuff. Uh, The Locked on MLB Prospects podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like Locked on Reds. Jeffrey, spring training is underway. Baseball things are happening. So now more importantly than ever, tell the people what they can expect from me and you the rest of the way. We're going to be locked into practice. We're going to be locked into every game. We're going to be all over the injury reports, all over the position battles because we are locked on Reds every single day.